The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, I promised you guys I would react to the NBA draft. I'm not happy about it. Well, as a Blazer fan, I'm fucking elated. But in terms of betting... It was a mediocre night. So much prep leading up to the big night. I am here to break down the entire first round from my perspective for you. No sense in waiting, Nick. Do me a favor. Let's drop that beat. This should be Rihanna. Interesting, interesting night. Uh, First up, the draft day started with a bang. Uh, We've got a trade. Uh, A huge trade, a monumental trade, a very, I guess, seemingly one-sided trade because Golden State swoops in and makes a trade so wild I even had to check twice to see that I, me, Trista, wasn't reading a a tweet from Ballsack Sports. Um, The Golden State Warriors, in fact, trade Jordan Poole, a 2027 second rounder and a 2030 first rounder to the Wizards for Chris Paul. The Jordan Poole era is over. Just nine months after he got cold cocked by Draymond Green in the punch that probably ended the dynasty, Draymond Green opted out of his deal last week or this week and probably told the Golden State Warriors, I am not coming back until Jordan Poole is gone. I'm going to need a few days to think about it, but I guess for the Warriors, they needed to get up off that money. That contract was too high and he was contributing too low. I'm not sure that this makes the Warriors better. Chris Paul, when healthy, is obviously a very productive player. His assist to turnover ratio, very high. He's a good defender when healthy. But listen, we've talked about this many times. His burst is just not there anymore. He's old. He's washed. For the third time on this podcast, I will repeat the following. Chris Paul averaged 12-5-7 in the playoffs. That was off his season average of 14-4-9. And these numbers are by far the least productive numbers of his entire 17-year career. Even in Chris Paul's rookie season, he averaged 16, 5, and 8. And that, his rookie year, 
was his worst statistical season until this past year. And remember this. In Chris Paul's final game as a son, he was a negative 39 on the floor. Gross. Yuck. Disgusting. Uh, he missed 23 regular season games. He is 39 years old. Is that true? It is true. He is 39. God damn. What exactly Golden State is doing by getting a player who's older than Steph, Clay, Draymond, all of them, who's slow, slightly undersized, and who could maybe give you 15 to 22 minutes a game in 58 games? I really don't know outside of the salary. The only thing that I know is that Jordan Poole is going to absolutely cook in Washington, D.C. He's going to give you 25 to 28 a night, every single night. He's going to shoot a bunch of threes. It's going to be very fun. Him and Tyus Jones are the backcourt of the future. And then you had to wonder, today, what were they going to do at eight? Were they going to get a guard and trade Tyus Jones? Or were they going to figure out a wing, someone who would provide insane upside for them? As we know, Jordan Poole likes the baddies. It is Chocolate City. He will enjoy it here. Plenty of places for him to go out. Uh, the courtside experience in Capital One Arena, not going to be the same. But hey, there's 41 road games for him to enjoy himself in. All I know is that he's going to put up 31, 2, and 1 uh, on 13 to 37 shooting. More on this. For sure, but we move now to the draft. Of course, Victor Wamiyama goes one. He's going to be transcendent. He's going to be in the running for Rookie of the Year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some dude bet $50,000 to win $300 on him as the number one overall pick. Congratulations, you're an idiot and you're rich. Um, pretty much makes sense to me. The entire offseason now will be making sense and spent talking about the Spurs, so we're going to move on. Number two, here's where it gets interesting. We weren't sure what Charlotte was going to do. It was the Woj versus Shams tweet uh, scoop off. Uh, for 24 hours, the odds bounced around. You got Brandon Miller at 900, which means you are getting uh, one over nine uh, in order to, to win a bet. Like you're talking about $900 wins you $100 back. Uh, and then it got all the way from that to Scoot Henderson being you put $500 down to get $100 back and everything in between. In the end, we can only count on one thing, Michael Jordan being Michael Jordan. Mitch Kupchak being Mitch Kupchak and drafting a player who is a positional fit but absolutely doesn't make any sense in terms of upside. I love LaMelo Ball, but boy, oh boy, am I absolutely enamored with Scoot Henderson. They blew the pick. Brendan Miller might be the biggest bust since Darko. Scoot might be the best guard since since Jaw or Ant Edwards. I kind of knew Miller was going to go too when Woj continued to triple down every 15 minutes and the line continued to move in Brandon Miller's favor. But you know what I did just to make sure? I bet on Scoot to go too. I did my country a favor. I did my team a favor. A little $40 at plus 500 odds didn't hurt nobody for us to ensure that I did not have that come true. All eyes were now on the third pick. Number three, Portland grabs Scoot. And I love the pick. I love the pick. It is exactly who I wanted. He's explosive. We talked about him a million times before. He can do everything except for shoot deep. He's not going to be some sort of off-the-dribble, pull-up, three-point shooter like Damian Lillard. But you know what? Him and Shaden Sharp together are going to be fun. I don't know if Dame's involved in that, but I don't know if Dame's involved in this, period. So you do what you can do, and they're in a precarious situation, and they did the best they can, which is get a transcendent talent. Who will be the number one pick in any other draft? Is it the end of the Dame era? I don't know. I would be sad of that, but I am excited about the future no matter what. I am all in on Scoot. Number four, easy pick. 
Eamon Thompson, we talked about his athleticism. We talked about how much of a fit it was for Houston. Uh, like Ime Udoka, home run, home run pick. Rafael Stone, home run pick. And that was pretty much that there. Uh, they went back and forth between going with Amon and going with Cam Whitmore, which you will see is a hilarious notion considering that Cam Whitmore fell all the way down the draft. Number five, Oscar Thompson. Detroit said that they were going to swing for the fences. In my mind, that meant that they were going to grab a Thompson twin. Should have put more money on that, given what he had to say. Troy Weaver is the GOAT. He grabs the guy who I think has tremendous upside as a defender, as a wing talent, can not only do that, but stand in the corner and shoot threes when Jaden Ivey uh, gets into the trees and has to kick out. Uh, Anthony Black to Orlando. Boy, oh boy. Uh, People kept saying that the Orlando Magic were really happy. Uh, with their guard play. And I said, well, if Anthony Black gets selected there, then what do you really got to say? Um, great move for the Magic. They get a 6'7 guard who can play make, who can defend, who can't shoot a lick, but I think he can do that in time. That's something that he can learn. He gets a Josh, they get a Josh Giddy-type player who's going to be able to give you court vision, poise, high basketball IQ. The list goes on and on. I love Anthony Black. I loved him at Arkansas, and Orlando just absolutely crushes that pick. Number seven, here's where things get interesting and bad. So number seven, the Indiana Pacers had this pick. All of a sudden, you see that they draft uh, Bilal Koulibaly, Victor Wambayama's teammate from Metropolitan 92. I'm thinking, well, why? Like, Indiana doesn't – that they were not mocked at all to get Bilal. They don't need Bilal. Like, that's a very weird pick. It doesn't go with their DNA of a team. Turns out they did a trade. Was it OKC that they did the trade with? The team has a 12 spot, has been rumored to want Bilal. Like, was it Utah who get, gets a little nervous thinking that the Wizards are going to draft him? No. It's the fucking Wizards, the next team to draft right after the Pacers. Why? Maybe they thought that the Indiana Pacers were going to move that pick. They were rumored to be moving that pick throughout the course of the pre-draft process. Maybe they were like, we need to get him, and we need to get him now, especially since the guard that we loved, Anthony Lee Black, was off the board. But boy, oh boy, did that fuck me out of almost $3,000. Happy to you, Washington Wizards. I'm glad you made the right pick and that you ensured you, you, got, you got it. But, like, I wish you were dumber. I wish you were dumber. And Indiana, congratulations. You get Jairus Walker the very next pick, and then you got some other things out of it, which I don't even remember what they were. But congratulations to you um, because you end up both getting the players that you were originally going to get anyway. Number nine, Taylor Hendricks. Very interesting pick for Utah. They were in love with Bilal Koulibaly, Utah was. They must have been shocked to see him go seven with him off the board and Trayvon Walker off the board. They went with Taylor Hendricks. I think this is an absolute no-brainer. They needed athleticism. They needed defense. Number 10, Cason Wallace. Uh, that was an actual trade. We got a trade, folks. OKC moves from 12 to 10 with Dallas, and I love this pick. They need a point guard who can shoot and can play make and can kind of do a little bit of everything. He's a bigger guard. I like him. Um, they also take on... Davis Berton's contract, which we know is what OKC likes to do. They have a plethora of cap space. They'll take cap space from you in order for them to move up to get the pick that they really want because they continue to play 4D chess. And now Dallas has a traded player exception, which gives them $17 million in draft and cap capital to get a player like a wing. Um, I really, really like Cason Wallace. He's one of those Kentucky guards that you know is going to fill it up at the next level. We know that Kentucky 
players in general always perform well. Uh, they are always slept on. I think it's going to be an amazing pick for OKC. Congratulations to them. Here's where it gets very strange. So I told you that Orlando has three point guards before they drafted Anthony Black. Um, yeah, they've got Jalen Suggs, who they drafted six a couple of years ago in the Scotty uh, Barnes draft. They've got Cole Anthony, who they, I believe, picked up in the draft. And then, of course, they've got Markel Fultz, which they got in the trade once Philadelphia abandoned him and left him on the side of the road to die. So you think to yourselves, once you draft Anthony Black, you kind of are set, right? Four guards, probably don't need many more. They do love some length. Orlando loves length and athleticism. We know that. But Jet Howard, another guard out of Michigan, Jawan Howard's son? Like, that is a real swing. That guy went probably 10 slots higher in the draft than people projected. I think the best I saw him was the Lakers to take him at 17. Jet Howard is a massive shocker. The draft at this point went off the rails. 6'8 guard, combo guard for Orlando. I guess it is what it is. Now they have five guards on this team. Jalen Suggs must be uh, having night sweats right now because he is on the fucking chopping block, and that is a guarantee. Derek Lively to Dallas, which is another uh, interesting pick because I thought he would go 10 to Dallas, which was the perfect fit, perfect situation. But again, these trades, they mess up everything that you think is going to happen. Dallas needed a rim protector. They get a rim protector. They get their man. This is one of those picks where you kind of have to make it. You don't feel great about it. Derek Lively's player comp is Willie Cauley-Stein, which they've already had Willie Cauley-Stein on that team, and I think that didn't work out great. But, hey, what are you going to do? No one would bite on them trying to trade this pick for a starter, so here it is. Here's where it's another interesting pick. Toronto. We didn't know what Toronto was going to do. Nobody was leaking anything. Pause. OG Ananobi's not going anywhere. Uh, Pascal Siakam's not going anywhere. And they need shooting, but they also love length. And there's not that many long athletic shooters in this draft. In fact, I think there's just one outside of Brandon Miller. And his name is, uh, like, there's no place like home, a.k.a. Grady Dick. We had Dick going as high as six. He falls out of the top ten. Uh, doesn't end up getting taken by Orlando because Orlando takes another guard. And not, not a ton to hate for the Raptors. I, I kind of like it. Not sure about the fit, but listen, he can move. He's athletic. He's long. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. He's going to space the floor. I kind of love the pick. I, I don't hate it. They need shooting. They need length. Masai loves guys that are 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", and that is exactly what he is. New Orleans needs shooting as well. So with Grady Dick coming off the board, are we going to get a run on movement shooters? Turns out we did. Jordan Hawkins goes to the Pelicans. Are they stocking up for players and rebuilding in a post-Zion, post-CJ McCollum world? Probably, because they got Trey Murphy already. They've got Herb Jones, another wing, and now they get the best pure shooter in the draft, not named Brandon Miller. I like this move. I like this move for the Pels a lot, but mostly because they don't have a consistent three-point shooter outside of Trey Murphy. I like this pick a lot. Wow, Atlanta at 15. 
takes Kobe Bufkin, 6'5 guard out of Michigan, who can do a lot of things, kind of reminds us as a Tyrese Maxey, like a Jordan Poole vibe. Um, but, like, here's the thing, though. Um, so Atlanta already has a couple of guards, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray uh, rumored to maybe want either – a lot of money in free agency that they can't pay him in an extension because of where he was drafted or he just plainly wants out. Does this mean DeShante Murray is on the chopping block? Uh, it feels like it is. It was the first thing that came to my mind. Quinn Snyder's not playing around either in Atlanta. I suspect this is the beginning of roster juggling uh, for the Hawks. They got to get their payroll under control and they got to get their roster in general under control. Lots of people had Kobe Bufkin as a top 10 pick. But he slid to a really good place, a good situation, and under a really great coach that could get him to be a Donovan Mitchell-esque type player, which is where Donovan Mitchell thrived under Quinn Snyder. Number 16, Utah's just killing this draft, aren't they? Jazz add Keontae George out of Baylor on top of Taylor Hendricks. They get a haul with the first two first-round picks that they get. They needed a guard. That means the Colin Sexton experiment has come to a close. He is going to be on the trading block. I'm sorry, Colin. Uh, It's just not worked out for you. Didn't work for you in Cleveland. You're a bull in a china shop. That shit does not fly in Utah. Uh, Pack your bags. It's time to go. Number 17, one of my favorite players in this draft, Rob Palenka and the L.A. Lakers. They draft Hood Shafino. Uh, I love Hood Shafino out of Indiana. I would have bet anything that the Lakers might have jumped on Cam Whitmore, but I tell you what, Jalen Huchifino is an amazing pick. He was slated for many, many weeks to be a lottery pick. It's a great fit. They need somebody who can do all the things that he can do, which is to shoot, which is to play make, which very long wing, like just kind of kind of a great pick. And I, I like his athleticism as well. Just Huge upside for Jalen Hood Shafino. And again, Rob Palinka continues to do things. Um, point guard, shooting guard, obviously that means Delo's probably on the way out, but he was on the way out anyway. Number 18, Miami Heat. They selected Jaime Jaquez out of UCLA, been playing for UCLA. I mean, pretty much like I can't even remember when he wasn't on UCLA. I think he's played there 17 years. No, I'm just joking. I think he's a junior, but it feels like he's been there forever. He played on that Final Four team. Uh, This is probably my favorite non-lottery pick. Nobody rose higher than Jaime Jaquez in the pre-draft process. He was murdering people one-on-zero, two-on-two. All of his his team workouts, he was doing really well, and a bunch of teams wanted him. Uh, His workouts were amazing in Miami. It's just a perfect fit for him. A backup spot, like that's what Pat Riley does. They develop players. Good for Jaime Jaquez. Good for the Miami Heat. Golden State drafted at 19, and you know what they did? They did the most Golden State thing that thing that they would ever do. They drafted a a Eastern European that you can't even pronounce. Remember Alan Smialjic? Smialjic? Smal? That yeah, it kind of reminds me of the same thing. A guy that everybody is very quote unquote high on, but nobody really has any reason why they're high on him. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, he's Brandon Pojasemski. He's the sleeper of the draft. And you're like, why? And they're like, oh yeah, like analytics, like advanced stats. Um, he reminds me in his looks like Nico Mannion, and I, that was a disaster. Like Golden State, let's be real, hasn't exactly nailed their draft picks recently outside of, like, Draymond Green. After Draymond Green, like, who have they? I guess Jordan Poole was a great pick, even though they just moved him. Slow three-point shooter, played at Santa Clara, 
right down the road. Terrell Furman called it the most vanilla pick possible for the Warriors. And you know what? He probably won't even see a lick of playing time because they're on a championship aspiration now. 20. So 20 Houston Rockets draft. And remember I told you at four they were looking between Osser Thompson, or excuse me, Eamon Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Well, turns out they, why not both? Why not both? Houston wanted him at four, and now they get him at 20. Apparently, Cam Whitmore doesn't smile enough. Uh, he is not very talkative, and there were some injury red flags. I never heard about an injury. I'm pretty sure that he was doing windmills in his one-on-zero lifetime workouts in New York. So the knees look good. The ankles look good. I don't know. Cam Whitmore looks pissed off, too. And he's going to be looking for blood. Now you have Cam Whitmore and you have Tari Eason. Two wings that can do a bunch of different things. This could be a very funny, fun team. All rookie team, I think, for him. Spotrack noted Cam Whitmore was mocked between 6 and 8. Sliding down to 20 to the exact team that wanted him anyway is just the universe talking to Ime Udoka. Number 20. The Brooklyn Nets have back-to-back pick. So what do they do? They get... Noah Clowney out of Alabama, who a lot of people love, uh, 6'10", power forward, played in Brandon Miller's shadow, but he averaged 10 and 8, very athletic, defensive-minded player, somebody exactly that Brooklyn needs. They need to find a 4-3 to play alongside of uh, Mikael Bridges, especially since Cam Johnson's probably not going to be along, around there that long. He has huge upside. He's only 18. He's going to be a long-term development piece. He's probably going to get some minutes early. And barring an injury, he'll probably be a good player. Up next is Derek Whitehead out of Duke. They follow Clowney up with him, a 6'7 Duke forward. Uh, not a lot of these late first-round Dukies do well. I don't have a lot to say about uh, Derek Whitehead other than he's fine. Uh, Chris Murray goes to Portland at 23. I tell you what, Chris Murray is the perfect, like, we need to appease Damian Lillard with a 6'8 guy who can shoot 40% from three uh, that's not named Brandon Miller. I think, actually, Chris Miller might have a better first year than Brandon Miller. Please do not uh, get into my mentions and get mad at me because Keegan Murray's bigger. Keegan Murray's older. He's had more seasoning, like uh, Lowry's or Tajin. Uh, He's not Keegan, but he's still very good. I really, really do uh, hope that Portland plays him a lot. He averaged 20 a game, playing in the shadow of college player of the year, Zach Eady. So I don't hate this pick, Zach Eady, Purdue player, who's now back at Purdue. Um, Number 24, there was a trade. The Sacramento Kings traded Rashawn Holmes in the 24 pick basically for nothing so that they can extend Amana Sabonis. That is what the move is. Monty McNair, executive of the year, continues to make moves even when he's not making moves. Uh, I think Dallas now gets a really good player who's going to be an effective pro. Uh, Dallas also adds Rashawn Holmes, which is one of the best rollers in the league when he plays pick and roll with Luka, with Kyrie. Should be very fun. He's a, a small ball five or a big four at 6'8". And then you've got Olivier Maxins Prosper, who I have a hard time pronouncing his name. He played for Marquette. He averaged 13-5 and five for them. It should be very, very helpful for the Mavs. They need depth. They need wings. They need defense. They need rollers and rim protection. Should be fun. Uh, up next, 25th, uh, Boston ends up sending this pick 
to Detroit, even though it was Memphis's pick. So Boston via Memphis goes to Detroit. I actually think this would have been better at the 25th pick. Marcus Sasser. Uh, Marcus Sasser would have been a perfect Boston Celtics. He's literally the new next Marcus Smart. However, he goes to Detroit, which does not need guard play. So I'm not really sure what's going on. I was so excited about him being this 6'7 wingspan, pretty good three-point shooter, and now all of a sudden he's a piston, so I have no idea what's going on. Up next is uh, Indiana drafts Ben Shepard, another wing, a lot of athleticism. He's been called a sleeper in this draft. He's an off-ball guard. I don't know a ton about Ben Shepard, so I'm not going to bullshit you. Didn't watch a lot of him, but he's been considered a sleeper in this draft pretty much the entire pre-draft process. Number 27, Charlotte drafted. Most Charlotte Hornets draft pick that you could even imagine. Uh, Nick Smith. Doesn't it just make sense? Like, doesn't it just like Michael, doesn't Michael Jordan just scream Nick Smith? A guy that gets buckets, a guy that has like elite talent but doesn't have his head on straight. They love flashy guards. Nick is going to be a flashy guard there. Now, I am not sure how his development is going to go. Uh, remember when they drafted James Booknight and he just sat on the end of the bench and collected dust? I don't know. Maybe that's what Nick Smith does. Maybe he replaces Terry Rozier. I am not high on this pick. We're coming up to the end of the draft, thank God, because it's just like pick by pick, but I am having a good time. I am super excited about this one. Utah steals Bryce Sansabaugh out of Ohio State. What a killer pick. He is a bucket getter. He's probably going to be a tiny bit of a project. A lot of people, though, think he could be an absolute bona fide star outside of Brandon Miller, Scoot, and Wemby. Draft experts considered him to be a top 10 player in this draft when it all shook out. This is a high upside pick for a team that's probably not going to be expecting him to perform at a high level for a little while now. Up next, Julian Strother uh, goes to Indiana, 6'7 forward, probably not ready for NBA play. Strother is a sharpshooting wing, played on Gonzaga, as we know. He was all WCC first team as a junior. People thought he was going to be in the early uh, to mid-second round. He ends up sneaking in to the first round, which I think tells you everything you need to know about Gonzaga players. Uh, moving forward, Kobe Brown goes to the Clippers in the last pick of the first round. Jerry West loves some late first-round picks, but not so fast, folks. The Clippers trade Kobe Brown to the Sacramento Kings, and now Kobe Brown, 6'8 wide body out of Missouri. He dropped because he's 23. He could be plugged in for 10 to 15 minutes per game. Doesn't that tell you that Sacramento's up to something? I love it. I love this for Sacramento. They're going to get another wing who can do some things, some depth. That's what they needed. They need more. Now they have cap space Sacramento. They can go after a player like, I don't know, Kyle Kuzma, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm so excited that this draft is over because now we get to figure out what happens with Damian Lillard and the Blazers. That is all, folks. Not a lot of movement, considering how this day started with the bang. We thought maybe there would be more drafts, but there wasn't. We're going to have a full breakdown next week, but let's just say this draft was both crazy for rounds uh, 1 and picks 6 through 12, and also a little underwhelming in some ways as well. Love to know what you guys think. Get into my DMs, get into my mentions, and tell me, who do you think killed this draft? 
Uh, who do you think was the biggest disappointment? Uh, I'll definitely message back, and I'll probably put the best one on my TikTok. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Tuesday with an all-new episode. Check the feed for past episodes and all the interviews that we did all week, Some from some very heavy hitters in the NBA draft process. Um, and follow the Heat Check as free agency is coming. Do not forget to download, subscribe, tell your friends, and follow us on social at this Heat Check at Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much. Big shout out to my co-host Ryan Horvat on BetMGM Tonight, who was on many of these episodes this week. My producer, uh, Nick Berlansky, and all of you guys for listening to the podcast, Dedicated Lee. Talk to you soon. Bye.